Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Sir, why are you singing the song of the Golden Elders? After our chat about family, it just had me feeling really grateful for my chosen one. Wow, that's honestly really lovely, sir, but a bit concerning. You seem downright wistful. No bombast in sight. Is the wormhole having this impact on you? I suppose. In this moment... We are Schrodinger's crew, both alive and dead. It gets a captain to thinking. I'm going to have a little chat with Chekhov. We have got to get out of this place. We gotta get out of this place, if it's the last thing we ever do. Welcome, friends at home. I am Justine Mastin, LMFT, writer, educator, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer. And it's just, it's just starting to feel like a lot. It is just starting to feel like a lot. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Well, the time has come to talk about Chapter 5 of The Grieving Therapist, caring for yourself and your clients when it feels like the end of the world. Uh-huh. And you know what that means? Uh, that we're going to talk about Harry Aponte? No. I mean, yes. But really, what I was thinking of is that we're halfway there. We're halfway there. Oh, living living on a prayer. (laughs) Uh, Friends at home, we would sing that to each other (laughs) so often. I think when we wrote both books, but I have the clearest memory of singing it to each other. It was much more. It was much more this book. um, Yes, because and we had a specific number of words. We had a word number to hit for each mm, chapter. That's true. We really planned ahead in certain ways with this book. Uh, in certain ways. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if this were written down, if someday for posterity, our spoken mm-hmm. words are recorded into some sort mm-hmm. of leather bound book, um, certain would be in italics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so we would get to... What was it, 3,500 words? I think so. Anywhere, yeah, 3,500 was the big one. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we'd start singing, Oh, we're halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. prayer. (laughs) Um, Sometimes uh, I would sing it like if we were halfway through a sentence or, I mean, really, Mm -hmm. any chance to celebrate. Really, truly. Because, like, by the time... 
By the time we got to the place where we knew or like we knew what the book was going to be, we also knew that we really needed to lean into any and all positive supports and affirmations. That's right. Where is joy? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just little little spritzes or Mm -hmm. sprinkles, if you will, of joy. Joy sprinkles. Joy sprinkles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes. And this, so not only are we, oh, halfway there and living on a prayer, um, this is the chapter all about friends. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. And you would think that maybe that would have made this a simpler chapter to write, <laughs> an easier chapter to write. And like, here's the thing. The chapter prior to this, all about family of origin, was one of the more gut-wrenching. Yes. If, if you didn't feel completely... <laughs> overwhelmed after listening to the 40 minute episode we recorded that was just full Mm. of emotion Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) then listen to this one um because the emotion just keeps right on coming but Mm. i feel like at least my memory of writing this chapter was that like it had a lot of technical issues it had so many technical like, issues. We couldn't figure out who the guide was going to be. And then we couldn't mm-hmm. figure out who was going to be like the the narrative symbol for the guide. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. even once we'd figured out that it was going to be Harry Aponte, and even once we'd figured out it was going to be the Tree of Life, <laughs> it just, it felt like it was technically very, very difficult mm-hmm. to weave in that metaphor. And like, not for nothing. And I want to be really clear here, folks, that like, I have such respect and admiration and love for Dr. Harry Aponte. Mm-hmm. Writing things down. <laughs> um, it just, it, the things that he's written, the very few things that he's written, I don't feel like capture the wonderful, warm, welcoming, mm-hmm. sort of like familial vibe of the man and so we Mm -hmm. really did try to i mean you read it you read his his book on pots Um, i did i did read his book on pot which is um the person of the therapist training that's right and it's a great training and it's one that like you and i very much believe in it's a huge Mm. like that's usually how like we were trained we were yeah um it's certainly a huge aspect of how we supervise And Mm -hmm. yet, not only is that acronym just terrible, (laughs) but I remember when you were, you like had read it because it's, it's relatively short, I guess, as like the books Mm -hmm. went for what we were researching. It was short. Uh And I remember you texted me and you were like, I'm done. And I was like, great. You must have so much material for us. And you were like, (laughs) not, no, not really. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because it it read as like a, it was like a, a manual. Right. And that's not what I, what we needed. No, no. We needed a sense of the man. We needed a sense of the man. Luckily, mm-hmm. um, our our friends over at uh, the Modern Therapist Survival Guide yeah. podcast mm-hmm. had interviewed him. Thank God. And that was a delightful interview where Dr. Aponte shared like stories of his uh, parents' death. Mm-hmm. Which, for our purposes, very helpful. Very helpful, yes. Um, and heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also pointing to the uh, class and race disparities in uh, our country. Yes, 
Yes. I think it also did a really beautiful job of capturing the human side of the person of the therapist model. Like mm-hmm. I can sort of, I can hear it now, even just like playing in my memory, this like little snippet from that podcast where he is talking about like once, like, you know, that you have completed the training as a supervisee of the person of the therapist model. Mm-hmm. If you get to a point in a session with a client where they start talking about something that really like stirs up deep emotional experience for you. Mm-hmm. And rather than being overwhelmed, rather than like panicking, rather than pushing that away, that mm-hmm. you are able to allow that personal feeling to wash over you. Mm-hmm. And that it's not that you name it, but that when you go to affirm and validate and extend compassion, it has mm-hmm. a whole nother layer of authenticity because mm-hmm. you've done your own work and you're able to sit with your own pain. And that really opens up like whole new spaces and capacity mm-hmm. is probably the word I'm looking for here for you to then be able to sit with your clients. Just lovely. Yeah, truly. And without without that podcast, we would have had just the I I, I tend to describe things <laughs> uh as beige. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, the one of our lovely interviewers recently pointed out to me that Larissa's background is currently beige. Yeah. And Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a little more of a khaki. I, I mean, I think of it as like a, a warm cardamom. Oh, that is... <laughs> Look how spicy that just got. Right. Not beige at all. <laughs> uh, but th- that book is quite beige. But the man... But the man... He was like warm a- cardamom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there was some real flavor. Yeah. And depth. Depth. Real depth of flavor, one might That's say. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, just to give people a sense of, like, how far into the revision process can you get before you actually crack a chapter? We were, like, maybe a month out of submitting the final, final version. <laughs> it was... I, I think ch- I'm... I think I'm remembering this right. The chapter five was the most revised. Yes. And mm-hmm. y- like the down to the wire, the last revised. You know, it was it was almost tied by chapter six, which we're going to talk about next week, which was next the one, time next time, which was the one about our about politics. Oh, yeah. But that one, that one, we wrote it and it was just a total dumpster fire. And then we just did a complete overhaul. And once we overhauled <laughs> it, we got something that was really quite good. Mm-hmm. Not so with chapter five. No, no, it kept not it, it kept not landing and not yeah. landing and not landing. And I, mm-hmm. I, I recall you being like, "What are we gonna do?" And I was like, "I don't know." Yeah, I don't remember which one of us said this, but I do have this like mostly feeling based memory of us being like, "Could we take it out?" Like mm. that was how much it was just not yeah. working. <laughs> And now we were were working to get it to work. And it was just like, and, and our, our editor, thank goodness for Shana. Shana was like, no, no, that's like your whole thing is friendship (laughs) and community and family of choice. You're going to need to leave that in and fucking figure it out. And fucking figure it out. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. 
once we did, yes, once we got a good sense of Dr. Aponte the man mm-hmm. and how he was going to guide us, mm-hmm. and and we were able to really like ground into how we were going to be with this tree, right? Um, like it, it really started to come together. It did. You know, tree metaphors have been very impactful for both of us. Mm-hmm. Our former supervisor, now friend, Dr. Patty, uh, has said some lovely things about about trees. That's right. And about, like, ways to conceptualize the ending of relationships. Mm-hmm. Because something that we do, and I mean, it's very appropriate that we talk about in this chapter, that, like, the endings of friendships are oh so emotionally intense. Mm-hmm. They don't get that doesn't get a lot of airtime in our mainstream culture, no. you know, Mm-mm. of all the the millions of love songs that we got out there past, mm-hmm. like from the past to the right now, certainly I'm sure in our future, there's not that many that's about like, oh, man, I just had my I had just had a breakup with my best friend. Oh, oh, don't even say that. I know. I mean, we're not breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, God, just talk to me first. I'm sure we can work it out. No, we can always work it out. (laughs) But I do think it's, like, important to name that, like, you and I had, like, a series of, I think, like, deep friendships before we found each other. And, you know, I'll speak for myself. I definitely can think of some uh, what would absolutely qualify as, like, best friendship breakups. Yeah, I mean, same. Uh, we were talking about one just yesterday. And we sure were. Uh, mm-hmm. it, this person shall not be named on this podcast. Um, no, because we, you know, we want to have, you know, respect for, for folks mm-hmm. and yeah, their privacy. Other, right. Other, we care about other people's privacy. We do. Um, we're, we're always down to, you mm-hmm. know, dish our own dirt. But. <laughs> yeah, because we can consent to that. No, we can <laughs> consent to that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I had. I had a number of very difficult friendship breakups, but uh, one very painful mm-hmm. and and public one. Yeah. Um, in the community that I was in. Mm-hmm. And it, oh, God, it is heart-wrenching. Yes. And you're right. There aren't, we didn't talk about this in the book, but I do like this framing of like, there's no, no. country song. No. About- <laughs> You know, there's a country song about losing your dog and your car and your girl and, and your, your jeans and your guitar. Um, <laughs> I think people would probably argue that Taylor Swift has written songs about losing friends. Mm, I'm not a Swifty, so I wouldn't know. No. And like, you know, that's it, it's true ish mm-hmm. um, in the sense that you certainly can like interpret it that way. Mm-hmm. But it's not as like front and center mm-hmm. in terms of like, this is this, even for her, this is my bread and butter talking about the ending mm-hmm. of, of these important friendships. Really her bread and butter has been, this is the ending of this guy that I dated, which again, no, mm-hmm. no, no shade. Swifties out there. No need to yeah. come after us, but just like highlighting mm-hmm. like what we're yeah, saying. And, well, and now that we're talking about it, probably the most Often cited friendship breakups in songs mm. are the best friend that cheated with the. Sure, it's an instance of triangulation. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, lo- I lost my girl and my best friend because my best friend took my girl. Right, right. And really, that just feels like you had some unrequited sexual feelings for your best man friend that you weren't quite ready to face. <laughs> right, right. You could have been a throuple. It could have been fine. Or it could have just been the two of you, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, I... Ten inch hero. That's right. (laughs) That's a deep cut, friends. Goes all the way back in the archives for that reference. (laughs) You know, this is making me think that, like, if we ever do like a ten year anniversary edition of the grieving therapist, Mm -hmm. this is probably something that we could expand on. I don't recall. I reminded myself because I went back and looked at the chapter. We talked about Mm -hmm. legacy burdens. Oof quite a bit in the chapter about our kin Um, because something that's like, I remember feeling that this was really unfortunate. The first time that I really committed to my own personal therapy, it was in my early twenties. And my Mm -hmm. therapist at the time said said something to me along the lines of, well, you know, some of us, like the friendships we're drawn to connect to relationships that we had or our first experiences in our family of origin. Boo. And that's what I said. (laughs) I was like rejected. Denied. How dare you say that to me? It's that's obviously untrue. My friends and are. You are a liar. And you are a liar. My friends are radically different from my family of from origin. my family of origin, and my relationship to them is radically different than the ones I had with my family of origin. Ooh, and here's ooh. the thing: that was not true, friends. No, and I'm like in this moment right now mm. oh. because. Because we were talking about that friendship breakup yesterday, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the similarity between that human and my father. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. that's a deep well, as a psychoanalyst <laughs> might say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. sounds like your therapist might have been onto something. I think she was, and like. Uh, while I rejected it so strongly initially, it was certainly like a working through it and coming back and talking more about it and processing, which is just like the whole therapy thing. Mm-hmm. I remember that being helpful in navigating the friendship breakup that I was going through at the time um, mm-hmm. and helping me understand that. And then, you know, being trained in systems therapy, that also helped. It helped me understand some of these things in a way that felt less charged to certain of mm-hmm. my parts. And the way that I often talk about it now with clients is to use the metaphor of dance, mm. which is to be like, you know, all, each of us in our family of origin, we learn a couple dances. Mm-hmm. And we may not like the waltz at all, mm-hmm. but that might be just the one that our parents knew. And so when we go out and we start trying to connect because we're social mm-hmm. beings... We might find ourselves either drawn to folks who know how to waltz or Mm -hmm. trying to initiate waltzing because that's just the dance that we know. Mm -hmm. And we can learn different dances. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, as a former dancer, I very much appreciate this metaphor. Yeah. Um, And it is very apropos because it is hard to learn other dances. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? Even if you are skilled in some ballroom dance, it doesn't mean (laughs) that you are skilled in all ballroom dance. No. And if you are a good tap dancer, it doesn't mean you have any acuity for ballroom dance. 
And here's the thing. I think we all learned that in that film, in the early aughts, was it? Save the Last Dance? (laughs) (laughs) With Julia Stiles? With Julia Stiles. (laughs) And she does that just bananas contemporary piece that is not at all complex. And it's like, really? That that did it? That got us into Juilliard or whatever? And all the people are like, wow. That's a thinker. There it is. There's a lot of nuance happening there. There's like an elbow move that she does. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. No shade. I, I could not learn that dance. But to your point, if we're thinking about like complex dances that people auditioning for Juilliard do... (laughs) it might be a little more nuanced Uh yeah it's like yes they wanted to see you could do more than just ballet and you can i guess (laughs) in a way yes but julia styles clearly that's your wheelhouse Mm -hmm. anyway anyway we are getting far afield we'll come back chapter five i'm trying Mm -hmm. to think like what are other pieces that stand out with chapter five uh i enjoyed um, I mean, I'm going to bring it back to trees, mm. but I... You're no arborist. I enjoyed, I'm no arborist, but I do know a thing or two about trees. I do have one on my property. That's right. <laughs> I think one even two. I used to have two on my property. One had to be taken down. Oh, sure. Because you're no arborist. <laughs> <laughs> An arborist came and said, this tree is dead. Let it be dead. Yeah. Mourn it and take it for its time and let it return to uh, the earth. This is actually really appropriate for this Mm -hmm. chapter. Because we, some of what we talked about in this chapter was like chosen family and how chosen family isn't just people. Mm, Yes. Uh, My partner and I had this just beautiful, big tree in our front yard and it offered shade to the front of the house. Yeah. And it was just so charming. Um, It always dropped its leaves like... The soonest of any tree in the neighborhood, so that was annoying. But sure, that it is was annoying. just it was just such a charming tree. And over time we're like, this tree is not well. Yeah. And then the arborist came and the arborist was like, This tree is not well. Right. This we need to thank it for its service, or it's gonna fall on your house one day. Mm. And not only will you lose this tree, but some of your roof and maybe some of the front of your house. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And that's if you're lucky. If you're unlucky, it'll fall on the neighbor's house. And then you'll you'll be tied up in litigation. I was going to say, you might have some some legal fees and court appearances <laughs> that you didn't necessarily want to attend. And so we did. We thanked the tree for her service and she's gone. I have been mourning her for over a year since she mm-hmm. left the front of the house. And we, we do want to get a new tree. Yeah. Which that this is reminding me we need to go see an arborist. Right. And talk to them about, you know, the nature of your front yard and the soil and, and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And who who could we plant? <laughs> exactly. And how and how many thousands of dollars would they like so that we could have mm-hmm. an already kind of grown up tree to provide shade? Right. Right. Yes. Uh, but this is a a funnier anecdote, <laughs> um, because uh, we also talked about our animal friends. That's true. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why I avoided this chapter. Or, like, it's part of one of the reasons that, like, under the surface it was hard for me, because we talked about mm-hmm. my dog Marinum dying in this mm-hmm. chapter. And I, like, she had, it hadn't even been a year 
when we started. Oh, no. Like it, it was mm-hmm. very recent. It was very fresh. And I did not want to talk about that at all. So much mm-hmm. so that like the few sections that we put in there, I put it off and put it off. And I think you, but for both of them, you were like, it's time. And then I wrote them and then I, I didn't look at them until mm-hmm. God, it might've been like the first round of copy edits, frankly. Yeah. Well, and that's something I don't think we've talked about in, as we've been discussing our process is there were parts that were hard for each of us to write mm-hmm. about our personal experiences. Yeah. And um, when we were doing read throughs before it went into editing, we would legit tell each other, like, I cannot read this mm-hmm. section. You have to yep. edit it. <laughs> yeah. And and we did do. And that is just one and- of the many benefits of writing with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the that's the benefit of friendship mm-hmm. because it, writing alone, there's no there's no one to pass it on to. No, it's just you yourself and you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, but I I recall being like, okay, nope, I can't. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't read this about my parents' death again. No. I'm gonna need you to do that, and I surely did. And I was like, mm-hmm. I cannot read this piece about Marinam dying and how we planned for her death day. I need you to please read that. Mm-hmm. And you surely did. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was not as heavy for me. No, no. Sad, but not as weighted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's occurring to me that, like, I'm not feeling as much intensity as we're talking about this chapter today. Some of mm-hmm. that, Friends at Home, is because we are recording in between sessions. And so I'm in a very like therapist Mm -hmm. managers contained place. Um, But I think another aspect of it is that we've lived so much of this chapter, Mm -hmm. you and I, and like so much so that I think like sometimes like especially like when we do events or we do talks, like mm-hmm. I have to like remind myself like Larissa, please make sure that you put front and center like the importance of like friendship mm-hmm. and like your platonic life partnership with Justine, which mm-hmm. mostly I remember, but it's also something that just feels so natural to me. Sure. So like fully integrated that I don't I don't all I have to like remind myself clearly I have a part that reminds me that like this is a thing we want to highlight and verbalize to normalize um because Mm -hmm. it still is in much of like mainstream American society new and maybe not new but it just doesn't get the kind of like recognition and get honored right yeah yeah and we don't we don't want the perception to be that this chapter is some kind of afterthought. No. Like, here is your cho- here is your family of origin, and then here's your chosen family, <laughs> which you also have. Um, because that's, that is not how we see it. No, not at all. Yeah. And, I mean, some of what we get into in the book and we've gotten into with our mm-hmm. talks is, like, the ways in which our modern society is not set up for people to live in community right. and like have community supports. And that's, I mean, that's kind of duh, but also think about the ways that shows up. Like who is your emergency contact? Mm-hmm. 
who is your default emergency contact if you don't have anyone on file? They go to mm-hmm. the family mm-hmm. with whom you share mm-hmm. close genetic material. Arguably, we yeah. all share some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think in some right. ways I'm realizing like that's what we call it, like the realm of our kin, because in mm-hmm. like hospital or medical lingo, there's this idea of like, well, we need to contact the next of kin. Mm-hmm. And for you and I, there there very much is this like lived reality of like, yes, and your kin are your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was very funny when uh, my partner and I were making out our will or our trust. We have a trust, not a will. Right. I learned there's a difference. Well, there it is. Don't worry. Don't worry about it, friends at home. Unless... You want to worry about it, in which case, go see a wills and trusts attorney um, <laughs> and see what's right for you and your estate. We were fairly unusual because mm-hmm. uh, we are a married couple. We have no children. Right. We have uh, between us one living parent mm-hmm. um, and two nieces. <laughs> And so it was like, where's this stuff going? Well, it's, you know, mm-hmm. Eli has some siblings. All right, let's send some stuff over there. And I, my sister has two children, so nieces. Let's send some stuff over there. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone else will have children. So let's just do and any other nieces and nephews, <laughs> like, beget at our death. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, there are. There are folks in charge of things that wouldn't necessarily right. in a quote unquote traditional family. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, I'm not gonna name these people because that's that's my that's mine. That's I don't right. have to. That's right. But you know, like the think about friends at home if you have a will or if you were to make one. Mm-hmm. Like who would your executor be? Right. Is, is it you know? Is it someone you're related to? Maybe. Maybe not. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you are second to be called. No, third to be called. Okay. If I am, uh, if I am incapa- incapacitated. Well, I, I don't long for anything like that. <laughs> but if I am called, I will do my duty. <laughs> because I feel like you would know. I would. It's true. And actually, this is reminding me of, I read a bunch of memoirs in and around the time that we were writing, like, chapters four, (laughs) five, and six. Oh, my God. Are you going to bring up the uh, the Uh Taj Mahal thing? Uh Uh-huh. And this was the memoir, I think, between two two kingdoms um, Mm -hmm. by this human whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I will butcher it because pronunciation is hard for me. Um, But she had this section where her friend dies... And one of the friend's dying wishes was to have her ashes scattered in the Taj Mahal, (laughs) which is illegal and like impractical and unethical and, you know. Also probably not cool from a religious standpoint. Like, I don't Uh know. uh (laughs) So lots of question marks um, or issues. (laughs) (laughs) I just did. I just uh, did a bunch of CEs for my Minnesota licensure, and you have to do your ethics one. And this would have been, you know, a real ethical conundrum. Would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend mm-hmm. wants 
her ashes scattered at the Taj Mahal. Yeah. I agreed to this, assuming I would die first. And I think she did. <laughs> at least that's what she wrote in the book, that she did indeed uh, scatter her friend's ashes at the Taj Mahal. But I remember I was like reading that part late at night and I texted you and mm-hmm. you were like, well, I hope you're ready. <laughs> Yes, because I was like, I was like my ashes scattered at Uluru, the the aboriginal rock formation in uh, central Australia, in the Australian Outback. I'm cringing like that would be so, I couldn't, I don't think. (laughs) No, and I was joking, of course, because I would not want my ashes to besmirch the aboriginals' land. No, uh, <laughs> no. We, I think this did process, like, prompt a conversation for you and I. And I think I was, it was either this exchange or one mm. somewhat later on where I was like, I want to do those mushroom bags. <laughs> where there's something they can do to your body where, like, they set it up to accelerate the decomposition process and you uh-huh. just sort of, yeah. like, become fungi. Mm-hmm. Which to me feels really appropriate because I'm very allergic to mold and mildew. <laughs> I feel like it's been like trying to take me down in some ways my whole life or that's been like a real tension. So there's, there's like a real poetic beauty to me that like when I die, I will be like, here, you can take me. Take me home, mm-hmm. fungi roads. <laughs> <laughs> that's... That's gold. There there was a real weird mushroom outside of our house oh, after like three days of rain. I bet. And I feel like that would be the mushroom you would be like. It was it was like a this is this is someone's corpse's mushroom. Wow. That's great. Okay, so now I have like a little a little snapshot of what awaits me. <laughs> <laughs> a dog will sniff you and pee on you. And you know. I think at that point, that'll be fine. Whatever consciousness the mushroom has. <laughs> um, yeah, this this is what it's like writing a book about death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to bring in a lot of levity and darkness. Mm-hmm. Or levity with your darkness. I'll take my coffee with a side of levity. Um, yeah, that is that is very much the reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like... Death in many ways is very funny. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think we talked about that when we did our talk for CIIS. Mm. I can't keep any of our talks straight anymore, so I will believe you. That's okay. That's great. And then someone, if you if you are just really an intrepid listener and you've just, just mm-hmm. followed us from the beginning, you could just like write us and be like, yep, you were correct in your memory, Larissa, or no. Wrong. Um, <laughs> it was this other appearance. <laughs> Here is it was from this one on this day, um, or it was on one of the appearances that weren't recorded. In which case, it's lost. Well, not lost, but it belongs to those who were there. But I'm really getting sidetracked. Um, mm-hmm. Bringing us all the way back around. I think one of the things we did talk about in the CIIS talk was mm-hmm. that so often people are afraid to let go and be present with their grieving because there's this mm-hmm. fear that like, I'm going to sink to the bottom of the sadness ocean. Mm-hmm. And while that's definitely part of it, like there's so many emotional depths and co- complexities to mm-hmm. grieving and the, the losing and the dying process. 
Um, and one of them absolutely is humor, you know, and we could like think of it from, from the dark side of things like, uh, the Frankfurt school would, where I think they wrote in the dialectic of enlightenment. I'm pretty sure they did. They wrote in there about how like laughter is in its most primal form, a cry of pain. <laughs> That's dark. Right. At like the, the existential void or dread of life, which I'm adding for narrative color. Um, so like, yeah, th- then it makes sense why laughter is a part of death. But like there's actually real humor mm-hmm. and joy there as well. I mean, some of the most mm-hmm. joyous times we had together as a little interspecies family was during the last month that our dog Marinum was alive. And like I got really into like cooking certain kinds of fish which she just like loved and Mm -hmm. we would like make we would like make it for every other day brian got really into making her scrambled eggs it became Mm -hmm. this like really lovely connective celebratory experience via food and it also like something i wasn't anticipating but like sort of the end of that journey with her i think it was like the last week that she was alive at one point brian was like oh that was marinim's last gift to you was showing you that you really can cook Oh, I know. That's so sweet. Yeah, it was real beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh. Now I'm thinking about my kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie, Charlie and Bella, mm-hmm. who have passed on. Charlie was actually in my dream last night. Oh, it was sad though. He shrunk down to the size of a bumblebee, and a duck ate him. Wow. I don't know what that means. I don't either, but I was devastated. Sure. Yeah. Maybe it means that he's been reborn. Oh, that's a nice way to think about it. But does it mean that a duck ate him? Or that like a part of him? I don't know, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to look up what do ducks symbolize. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Mm hmm. Yeah, and there was also an airplane, so a couple of a couple of winged creature metaphors. Yeah. Huh. What were you doing in the dream? Um I was going to fly the airplane. Sure. But also I I was with Charlie cuz I was going to take him out on his leash. Oh. And, and he got away from me and and shrank down to the size of a bumblebee and I was just about to grab him when he got eaten. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe he maybe he's a duck. Do you think he'd like being a duck? No. He no, he didn't not. he didn't like having wet feet. Oh, maybe that was his karma. He didn't like having <laughs> wet feet, so now he has wet feet. We do joke about Brian and I joke about our cat Katsu that like in his previous life we feel really confident that he was like what do we say we really that he was like a monk, a member of like the White Lotus clan. Um <laughs> And that he was, like, very wise and very sage-like, of course. And that perhaps he was a bit too full of himself in his <laughs> non-attachment to outcome and mm-hmm. his belief that he had transcended all desires. Because in Katsu's life as a cat, one of mm-hmm. the few things that cross him are his hunger or is his hunger. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that we as a family have supported him on in his journey <laughs> to work through <laughs> hunger and how to be with hunger. and friends at home this is this is us talking about our our beloved chosen family that's right our interspecies chosen family Mm -hmm. 
it is, I think, so integral to how you and I show up and move in the world that we conceptualize family and community as transcending species. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, like transcending sort of like perceived types of consciousness, like you said about mourning your tree. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you never taught that tree algebra or had to worry about putting it through some sort of daycare. But you loved the tree and respected the tree. And when it came time mm-hmm. for the tree to shuffle off its version of the mortal coil, you mm-hmm. tried to come together as a community and figure out how do we do that? Mm-hmm. It's sad. And it's its loss is still felt. Like mm-hmm. when I pull up to the front of the house, yeah. I don't think of it every single time I pull up to the front of the house. But there are many times mm-hmm. I pull up to the front of the house and I'm like, oh, yeah, not here. And really, I would say that this kind of broad or more expansive way of thinking about kin and Mm -hmm. kinship networks, really, like it offers us another way to think about our relationships to one another, to other species, to the planet. Mm -hmm. Certainly, Justine and I don't like lay claim to this as like, look at us, too culturally coded white women discovering these things. That's not what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) I'm saying that we honor it and integrate it and try to really embody that in our lives. And it really goes back Mm -hmm. to um, ancient indigenous wisdom, which Mm -hmm. offers us other ways to be with one another and the planet that are more sustaining than sheer capitalist exploitation. That's right. Because the trees, did you know they talk to each other, friends at home? Oh, that's right. That's one of my favorite things that you put in at the very, very end. You were like, we have to put this in the book. And I was like, there's no time to do more research. And you were like, I'm doing it. Like, but they need to know that the trees talk to each other. (laughs) The mycelium, they're all connected. And I believe that Shana's like note to us was like, I'm really glad that you included that. That was great. And then dear Brent, our copy editor, who I really, truly have such appreciation and gratitude for. He I remember he read that paragraph and he was like, I'm going to restructure some things. I hope that's OK. And, and I was like, we were like, that's fine. Listen, listen, <laughs> you best not get rid of the mycelium. <laughs> Very. <laughs> and he did not. He just, you know, shifted around some sentence structures. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if he added or took away semicolons. Knowing us, he probably took some away. Yeah, I I do like a semicolon. Yeah, you get a little happy on the semicolon this. You know, I I learned I I learned how to write from a a copy editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and there are um, what gifts and burdens that <laughs> came right. from that experience. Mm-hmm. And before we wrap, I'm going to do a plug for one of the books that we read that's also published by North Atlantic um, that was really helpful in conceptualizing this chapter. Restoring the Kinship Worldview, Indigenous Voices Introduced 28 Precepts for Rebalancing Life on Planet Earth. And it was written by Four Arrows, whose Indigenous name I'm not going to butcher. And and another wonderful human, Darsha, and whose last name? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Darsha. Yes. And um, Four Arrows was lovely enough mm-hmm. to read our book and offer us a endorsement. He was. And when I got that, I literally, I burst into tears and I was like, that's enough. If we have written something that like resonated with Four Arrows, it was one of those moments that I have where I do have moments in my, in life where I'm like, I could die right now. And I know that I have <laughs> lived fully. 
And when Four Arrows not only gave us an endorsement, but he, it was so beautiful. It was so lovely. And he talked about our book yeah. being a medicine wheel. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that is what we were doing. And I just like wept. And then I was like, I could just, I could, I could die right now or in five more minutes and know that I'd done everything that I could and that I was meant mm-hmm. to do. So, so much Aww. gratitude for Arrows, wherever you are. Mm. Uh, and I think he's in Canada. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> I hope you're bundled up. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. Thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Kyle Rebar. And finally, thank you to our executive producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You always tend to our mycelium network. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Actually, just follow us on Instagram. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us um, and tell your friends to check out our back catalog. If you would like to pick up our books, you should do that. You can grab them wherever books are sold. They are called Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life, and The Grieving Therapist, Caring for Yourself and Your Clients When It Feels Like the End of the World. The holidays are right upon us, friends, and people need these books as gifts. Mm-hmm. They need them. They do. They it's, do. It's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so be gift you want to receive. <laughs> Order yourself a copy or two or three and share with your social networks. And as always, friends, live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs>